0: when, this boy meets, world. when this boy meets world what up bros what up bros hey, Welcome 12
1: me when it's Brown meets, world.
0: Your boy meets world
1: fan cast i am siege and i am tc And this is episode 75 gen of the dad <laughs>
0: Keeping in what we were talking about with is kind of a theme of this season. the everyday hero
1: It's so interesting that so far this season, like we had Alan, who was like a grocer and then he became like a small business owner. We had you know the the look into the life of the waitress cafeteria lady. Um, yeah, you were saying the the waitress at the restaurant in the open in the first season, uh, the first episode of the season, there was all these like examinings of the of people from the middle class and just like what their roles are and how they impact those around them and the fact that right now in 2020 we understand more than ever that janitors are essential employees and this episode is about the shame that Sean feels and the respect he ultimately gains for that position. is just, it's the most bra episode I feel like we've had this season. Like, it's just so relevant to what's going on. It's
0: very relevant to what's going on. And it's very, I like that it, it at least it allows Sean to feel what he's feeling. You know what I mean? It's not like he's immediately, Chastise for feeling this way everyone kind of lets him get to that conclusion on his own um and i think that that's worth it because it shows that feelings are, are valid but the way that we think about things may not be
1: it's so interesting too that this comes right off the heels of the topanga thinks the destruction of the nuclear family is what's wrong with this country yeah. episode and then like seeing what it's like for Sean's family to just try to pay bills and get by and what it's, th- their hardships and how it affects their kid and his education. Like, all of it feels very planned. Yeah, you know,
0: honestly, let's just get into this. So, you want to hit us with the Tell Me About It?
1: Tell 10- about it, tell us all that has occurred. Chet becomes a janitor. Alan's killing customers. I love it. Okay, <laughs> I'm telling you, I got the time. I'm putting in the hours. I'm, I'm loving it. <laughs> this is season four, episode six
0: Janitor Dad. When Verna gives Chet an ultimatum to find work, he lands a job as the school janitor to Sean's humiliation. In a B storyline, Alan and Eric look for an experienced help at the store and answering their call is a mountain man who will do anything to make a sale.
1: Which one do you want to do first? Choose your own adventure, bruh.
0: Choosing our own adventure, I want to start off with Sean and his dad and his family, really, because I feel like there's a lot to say.
1: Okay, so this episode, like, it's to me. It's like it, you could have the same kind of social economic discussions, like from watching this or from watching like Trading Places. Like the way <laughs> that this show dissects like how uh, classes see each other, the uh, you know how we treat our service workers. This episode starts with Sean making a mess. Yeah, and him saying, "Yeah, we made a mess, but we ensured that the janitor has a purpose, and that keeps the economy going. So good for us." And I just thought, like, when you when you take that apart, when you deconstruct that, that is so fucking uh, uh, on point and woke in a way that this show is just surprisingly becoming more of in this fourth season, and I'm loving every bit of it. You well, know, what's funny is. Is it really woke or is it
0: one of those stories that people in the middle class tell themselves in order to – because what I'm saying is the fact that they need work, that is true. That is that is rightful. But the idea that you can make a mess and by leaving the mess, you're
1: actually doing a service is very privileged. Oh, 100%. But that's – that's why I love this episode, because Sean starts there, and by the end of the episode, he's cleaning up his own mess, telling the janitor, hey, you don't have to. And I know that now. Like, the 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 arc that he has in this episode is beautiful, bro. Yes, it is. But I also think it's very interesting
0: that Sean felt this way. You know what I mean? It's like, it says a little bit about who you surround yourself with as well, because Sean, even though he lives in a trailer park, and and up until this point, as far as he knows, has an unemployed father, he still sees himself as
1: contributing to the economy. You know what I mean? It's, you know what? I will say it is very interesting because it feels like the show kind of picks and chooses when Sean is proud of being from the trailer park and when he's like ashamed of it. And like there was that episode with the girl that he thought, you know, didn't want to have anything to do with him because he was too poor and then he got super insecure about it. But you know, there's other times where he's like in this classroom talking about like, oh yeah, back at the trailer park, they would do this, this and that and tell some, you know, funny anecdote about, his experience in the way that it seemed like he was very proud of it
0: i think it's one of those things where it's like especially when you're a teenager and you're growing up in a with minority status you, you you pick and choose when it benefits you and what parts of it make you feel cool or seen or different you know there are moments where you feel exceptional and then there's moments when you feel like an outsider and I think that with him, the colorful stories and the, I know more about hard knocks than you'll ever know is something that he has used to brand himself as like the palatable bad boy. But when it comes to stuff like people seeing where he actually lives or, you know, other people knowing that his father has to be a janitor for a living. I think that's when Sean really starts to turn on those
1: things. You know what I mean? And that's and that's I I love all of that because um, it means so much more that Corey is allowed into Sean's world. That he's yes. allowed to go into his trailer. That he's allowed to hear his parents argue. Like the comfort that Sean has in allowing Corey to interact with that. And his discomfort in being called out by this Cranston kid who we're going to discuss in the roll call in a second. It's Crandall. It it illustrates their bond and relationship so well.
0: Absolutely. Also, I want to acknowledge, this is the very first time we've seen Chet and Verna and Sean be a family. Like, last time we saw Chet and Sean, like, trying to, I guess you could say, woo Verna and we saw them all in the house together. This is the first time you actually see their family dynamic.
1: I fucking loved it. I loved Sean coming home from school and him having conversations with his parents instead of it being Corey. You know what I yeah. mean? Like. For the first time, the, the, the worldview isn't just solely based on Corey's family unit and his extended friendships. Like, we're really seeing a different side to Sean. What does it mean for him, for his dad to be unemployed or employed in a way that he's not really approved of? What does it mean for Verna to be proud of Chet or to not have the bills paid? Like, all of that adds to his character in a really interesting way.
0: Yeah, well, I, what I think is interesting is that you have someone like in the, in the beginning, the first scene where we we're at Sean's house, I wrote in my notes that it felt like they were playing house. You know, it feels like they're trying, and I don't want to take that away from anyone, but it feels like everyone's trying to play this role for what they think they should be instead of seeing what really works for them.
1: And you know what? I think that's I I I don't know if that's intentional, but I think it adds to the story. I don't think it takes away from it. No, absolutely. I, I think it 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 adds to the story in the fact that they don't know how to be a family. Exactly. So they are just kind of just pretending and trying. And you hear Verna say to Chet at the beginning, like, I wanna be normal, Chet. I like, love that you brought that up. All of that, just pulling on her own insecurities about just wanting to be a traditional nuclear family unit. The same thing Topanga was talking about in the previous episode. Like, what worldview is this show trying to project about the desires of women? Well, what's funny is, like, yeah, we see that both in
0: Sean's home and in his neighbor's house, you know? And there's this idea of I want to be normal. But two things are really important about that. One, we see this yelling happen in both households, which says that there is some sense of normalcy. They're not the only family going through this. This is common, number one. And number two, when Chet actually does get a job and it's as a janitor, I was like, that's normal. We saw... Alan just leave a job that he had been in for 20 years that he said he didn't really love, but he got it because it would put food on the table.
1: You you bring up such an interesting point that the show does a great job this season of showing how Corey's home and Sean's home really aren't different at all. Like, the discussions about money and how things are going to get paid, Alan just quit his job and didn't tell Amy about it. Like, how are bills going to get paid? And it's the same dynamic, just at different class levels. That's so cool the way they did that.
0: Well, see, here's the thing. I... I love that they're showing that, but I
1: don't know if
0: they are actually making the argument. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like they are literally showing us two sides of the same coin, but I'm not always sure that the writers at least know that they're the same coin.
1: Interesting. I like, do they know they're doing this or is this just, just, uh, just coming out of lazy writing?
0: Exactly. Like they are making a lot of very deep conversations and they are- Showing us the working class working to be uh, middle class. But at the same time, there are no conversations between the two families other than Corey
1: witnessing you know what i mean well i will say i I don't mean to put quarters in the jar <laughs> but the thanksgiving episode is sean's family and Corey's family together and it's all about their different class different like issues and it's amazing well
0: i mean you get no points for what you will do only for the story you've told so far you know you're what right and you're right the story you've told so far like to have alan talk to Chet and be like, hey, I've done this before and it got me to a position to where I could make a different choice. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if if they were to do that or if Werner were to talk to Amy and Amy to be like, hey, I understand it. I had to be supportive, give him time. You know, something along these lines, then we could see the parallels were intentional. But sure. something about sure. me just feels like they are making two very similar storylines without really understanding that the Matthews, even though they just said not too long ago, the Matthews were only one paycheck away from the poorhouse, They're not really making that argument by showing Sean's family.
1: But it is interesting that whether through consciously or osmosis, this show can't help, but to tell the struggles of what it's like to be, insecure with money like it's it's that's so interesting that everyone in that writer's room must have some sort of background with being either lower class or lower middle class that they had this you know innate worldview to project into their writing
0: yeah and i will give you that and i mean like it's it's very the topic i just love that we are bringing up these topics and i do love that this is again we have to remind ourselves a kid's show and it's talking about these things that are really important. You know, there were times when in high school I lived in the less favorable neighborhood, and then I was able to move to a better neighborhood. And I felt very differently about who I
1: invited over and
0: where I let people know,
1: depending on that. Totally same. And there was, like, certain people that I just knew that, like, uh, I'm not inviting them over.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it, it does say a lot. And these are very relevant to the students who would be watching this show. I just wish that it, I could guarantee or, like, rely on the fact that all of this was intentional.
1: Let's Can we do the roll call real fast? Absolutely. So
0: to start off the roll call, uh, I want to go with Crandall.
1: Crandall is the boy who, who for for whatever fucking reason has a vendetta against Sean Hunter.
0: Yeah, it it was like it was a. Not only is he, did he come out of nowhere?
1: You know, like it was just like, who are you
0: and why are you sitting like this? And his acting was terrible. I hated it, but I understood where they were going with this character, and it was like, dude, let it go. But also, you get you know, TV bully. He is someone who. Has found someone to pick on, and most people need to punch down, so I've understood it
1: and Crandall is so interesting because unlike Sean, who has all the reason in the world to act out in school, um Crandall comes from like a really good family. he keeps rubbing it in Sean's face about how his dad's a doctor, and yeah. you know like it just it seems strange that he had any reason to be mean at all
0: exactly well i mean i think very it's very typical of high school i mean like most movies especially with girls are about um class differences and certain people being able to afford to be assholes and others not yeah and so anyway all all that being said it's interesting that they choose of course an outsider to make fun of Sean and that kind of being Sean's motivation for distancing himself or even putting Chet's job in jeopardy.
1: Okay. So, so let's talk about this for a second. Uh, I want to go back to Verna yelling at Chet. She's talking about how she got a job at the movie theater and that she's been supporting them. She finds these bills that were hidden in the microwave by Chet and, you know, she, she, I guess Chet keeps telling stories about how he has these big plans that, that, you know, secret plans that will eventually make him, you know, rich and the family wealthy. Um, But there's never been any action on his part. So for him to actually get a job of any kind, consistent employment is thrilling to Verna. But because it's a janitor at school, Sean's super humiliated by it. I want to talk to you and know what do you feel about the way that Verna, how Verna treated Chet in this episode?
0: Like, in the beginning, I didn't like it because it just felt more like a nag. Like, very much similar to when we get to the B storyline, Amy was portrayed at the beginning. Like, the women in the beginning Ugh. are seen as nags. Um, but I think that the way that Verna handled this throughout the episode, I so applauded. Because, A... The fact that Chet went out and got a job, mind you, he didn't really listen to Verna, but when Sean brought it up and Sean was like, look, we're all trying. Can't you try? He took it seriously. And for Verna, that was the biggest thing. She's like, we've been living off of your father's stories for years. He broke his habit. And for you, for us, Chet made an effort. And I can do nothing but applaud that man doing something which seems so easy but i know is outside of his comfort zone
1: and what i love too about that is that verna as soon as chet like came back and he had his paycheck and he was super proud of it like she rewarded him and she was like you could the reason why she was like fawning over him is because not because like she was attracted to a paycheck. It was because she loved that Chet actually stepped up for the first time. And I just thought that was really beautifully communicated through the writing of this episode. Absolutely. And then also two things about
0: that scene where Chet uh, brings home his first check. One, he says, and it's real. it's like a, it's a single line, but it's so much emotion behind that line. He goes, I earned it. I really did. And he's yeah. so proud of himself. Like Hold on. you can see that and Verna understands that to shit on him for not getting a more prestigious job would undermine everything that they actually were working towards because Chet is putting in effort and she even communicates that to Sean. She does not tell Sean, get your act together or, or dismiss his emotions or anything. She just basically tells him to really look at this from a different perspective.
1: My favorite part about the scene where Chet brings home the paycheck is, you know, Sean was like, Dad, are you sure? Are you okay with this? Are you okay cleaning up after people? Like, it doesn't bother you to be a janitor. And he goes, You know, it's not the best job I've ever had, but it has amazing benefits. And Sean's like, What's the benefit to being a school janitor? And Chet says, Bro, I've been away from you for for a year. Like, I get to see you every single day. That's the best benefit I could possibly get. That's the
0: first thing that Chet says. And if that's not, like, heartwarming, I don't know what it is.
1: It's, and like, it really, like, Sean, like, Ryder Strong's acting in that scene is amazing because he doesn't have to say a word. His eyes say it all when he hears Chet say that. And he realizes that the reason why his dad, even if it is a job that may humiliate him, he's doing it just to spend more time with him. Bro, amazing.
0: Absolutely. And I love that they they were able to get there. Um, It's also really amazing because what I think is interesting about... Why Sean is against Chet having this job is because Sean thinks Chet is just has more talent. He's just like, my dad is always coming up with great ideas. My dad is, my dad's a dreamer. My dad is someone who can probably sell ice to an Eskimo. You know what I mean? I think that that is telling because as a child, you see your parents as you know, just very capable. And we know how much Sean looks up to Jack. So the idea that his father would take a job that Sean thinks is beneath him is just very much a teenager's viewpoint because adults see it for what it is, which is this guy who has probably been given more than enough chances to make his dreams happen and never really was able to stick it is making a sacrifice to be a family man.
1: I fucking love that you brought this up because it's when when Sean said that when he said you know uh, it's when he communicated that it wasn't solely about him being humiliated at school by his dad being a janitor. Yeah, it also had this underlining thing of Sean wanting more for his dad for his dad's sake, which I just thought was super. Um, true to Sean's character like just being this like he's such a good friend to Corey that it would only make sense that he would have that emotional intelligence towards his parents
0: well yeah I mean we all could see it in chat you know it's like he sees the potential he knows that his father is could be great but Again, as you get a little bit older, you also know that potential isn't
1: enough. I thought that it was super interesting, too, that in one episode, much like how Alan completely changed his whole career in a single episode, we saw Chet go from unemployed and struggling to... Not only having a job, but succeeding, like doing really well, like saying, like bragging to his family, like, I think Mr. Feeney wants to give me a promotion or something like I'm doing great. Like, he's just having all this confidence now. And even though, like we mentioned with Alan's episode, it was a little unrealistic for it to happen in such a short period. It was really... um it was it was like a rags to riches tale in a single episode that I thought was really uh, sweet for Chet's character. Well,
0: I don't even know if it's unrealistic because I feel like Chet is the type of person where if he sets his mind to it, he can get it done. The thing is, Chet's never really had motivation before. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, totally. He's always
0: had an out and Verna was always willing to up until the point she wasn't. And I think that that's really important. Like, A part of this may be, you know, projection, but I feel like Boy Meets World brings these really big world problems into this half an hour show because it understands the complexity of a marriage like Chet and Verna's. And you can't quite spell that out, but they keep dropping little clues with the way the characters behave and ultimately uh, how the world reacts around them.
1: And I know that like people are going to listen to this and they're going to be like you guys are assholes you always want more it's <laughs> only 25 minutes like get like uh, these are really huge complex issues that they're shoveling into like a page of dialogue and I'm sure that's so complicated to do well and I really want to tip the hat to the creators for this episode because I felt like they used every minute of this episode well to support the story they were trying to communicate.
0: Well, to that, what do you think? Can we talk a little bit about Sean and Feeney?
1: Yes, because I thought it was interesting that Feeney wouldn't even think at all that it would be um, awkward for Sean to have his dad as the janitor.
0: Oh, you didn't? See, I I think Feeney saw it as... Giving Chet an opportunity to be stable, and he knew that Sean needs and desires to spil- um sorry stability more than anything, so I think he was a little caught off guard by Sean not being in favor of it, but at the exact same time understood how to move forward. You know what I mean?
1: Man, it would have been great to see like the interview and see like Chet like maybe communicate <laughs> to Feeney like, you know, I've been away from my boy for a long time and I just can't I think of a better way to get to, you know to, to for us to find stability than you know me working but also being able to see him all the time. Like, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe again, I'm asking too much of this half an hour show. Um, but that would have just been an interesting conversation to see. You no, know,
0: I think we could have cut like 10 minutes or not even 10 minutes, but like a scene or two from the B storyline and gotten
1: like an oh, actual interview. You know what? You're right because I'm complimenting this A storyline so much, and I Don't, I can't give the same compliments to the Beast Story.
0: (laughs) Um, So do you have anything else you want to say about this or do you want to move over to the Beast Story?
1: Um, Yeah, I think I, I don't think I have anything else.
0: Oh, the only thing I want to say is because we mentioned this earlier, Time Machine is brought up.
1: Yes, dude, this season, they've just understood themselves as a, as a writing voice in a way. It's almost like, like uh, when you watch like Community Season 2 and you're like, oh, they know what they're doing now. Yes. And like this season where they're just like, hey, we're going to bring up classic literature that we all are familiar with. So it's, you know, making it uh, this universal thing that would even make children who watch our show more interested in some of these literary classics. Like, it's so interesting. And I I love it when they do it well.
0: I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but with the time machine reference, I'm like, how many books a school year are these kids reading because oh we would get like endless. two or three but like every week it's like a whole new book they have to read
1: <laughs> bro they're not reading the book they are reading excerpts you're right. that's all we ever did in school was read excerpts of books
0: you're right that they have one of those textbooks that just has like a paragraph or a chapter from all of these books and then every, each week you move on
1: because that's the only way this would work i yeah because I, the last i checked turner was getting out x-men comics for homework so <laughs> <laughs> i doubt they're getting the fucking time machine <laughs> all right
0: so um let's move over to the b storyline.
1: yes the b storyline starts with amy being too feminine for her own damn good you know how those women get yeah so i uh,
0: you know this amy is a nag she's too motherly uh, she's quote unquote running like she's bad for business because she cares about the customers
1: I'm sorry wasn't Amy in fucking real estate like doesn't she have a background in sales can we stop pretending like that doesn't exist as you said they
0: just don't seem to want to give Amy who has three children that she's raised yeah any credit and you know we, we are nothing but Amy stands here so
1: I want to understand the way Alan has been marketing his store because it seems as though he is appealing to a clientele that he does not want. Yeah, Why do all these nerds keep coming into his store? Well, so they were hiring, uh, and so
0: a lot of them were just sales people, and I think that says a lot about the economy because there is a line of businessmen who are just eager to interview for their store. And as we can see, not none of them seem to have actual athletic or recreational sales. They just see it as like a sales job, and they're all just trying to get employed. So that's what I took that as.
1: I noticed that they were all white men. Well, of course. <laughs> and again, I'm questioning what part of Philadelphia are we in? I don't know the neighborhood. Let me know, guys.
0: <laughs> well, I also thought it seems to be like the discussion for the B storyline was the morality of commerce. You know what yes! I mean?
1: Yes! That was super interesting because the okay. So, what ends up happening is that they hire this mountain man and named Zeke. That is Ezekiel, yes, the mountain
0: man. That is Mickey Jones,
1: yes. Okay, so they hire Zeke, and Zeke is like this fantastic. Um, mountaineer salesman and he's just selling everything off the fucking shelves. They can't keep stocking fast enough. And while this is happening, Alan is seeing that uh, while Zeke is fantastic in sales, he's selling to people who are um, getting you know, biting off more than they can chew. They're going rock climbing without having any experience. And Alan's worried about the ethics of selling this equipment and encouraging these men to partake in this dangerous uh, activities that they really have no business being in. And I just thought considering what's going on in the world right now, uh, the ethics of your employees and how you treat your customers in a state of crisis or otherwise, um, I thought that was super relevant.
0: No, I actually did. I thought it was very relevant. But I also thought it, I found it funny because what we open up with is Amy being too caring. You know, like she doesn't want to allow anyone who, she doesn't seem fit for mountain climbing to go at all. But then you get Ezekiel who just tries to put everyone into it. And the show's compromise is to get a woman who's like Ezekiel, Jen Campbell who plays his niece Lonnie.
1: I need to talk about Lonnie because a woman who's like Ezekiel is not what Lonnie is. First <laughs> of all, Ezekiel is this very interesting, larger than life character who is just not someone that you would See every day on the streets he looks like a guy who is from the mountains. Lonnie looks like a guy a girl who is from a centerfold. She comes in, and I almost feel like Lonnie because she's in a few episodes this season like she has an arc she's around for a while um she is like. The studio gave the show a note of like, "Hey, we really like how Home Improvement has that tool girl. Yes, yes. We want you to have something similar to that. Can you guys throw a sexy girl in?" That's
0: exactly what I was thinking about. The tool time
1: assistant.
0: She's even wearing like the same kind of midriff
1: top and shorts yeah shorts yeah so it was just it was super interesting that they're expanding on female characters but in the way that does not enhance their perception of females yeah (laughs) it's just i don't know
0: it's the same thing that we always had the problem with the 90s where people were like we want more diversity and they're like oh well you should have just said something we can hire more women and black people and you're like yeah but can we not make them stereotypes and they're like i don't understand what you're saying You said two women on this side. I can do that.
1: (laughs) What did you think of their choice to make Lonnie a tomboy? Because I thought that was kind of interesting. That like they could have very easily made this like some girl who would just be the object of Eric's affection in a really traditional way, but they're kind of challenging Eric's ideas of gender roles in a really interesting way.
0: Well, I, here's the thing. I thought that that, I think that's an easy gimme. I think they did it just for that reason. They're like, she's a girl who's kind of like a guy. And everyone's like, ooh, progress. And you're like, not really. We don't know anything about her other than she's Ezekiel's niece. You guys have not interviewed. You just keep going on a whim. And that's terrible for business. Like, you basically introduced her through her uncle. It'd be different if they interviewed her and she was the best for the job. But what they did, was they said her uncle was the best for the job. But he has to go now, so we're gonna give. And she
1: a got job. it through nepotism. Exactly. Fuck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that, if that doesn't telling, I don't know what is.
1: It's 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 really ridiculous. So I I don't know. I mean, my whole, I think I can summarize my whole opinion of the B storyline as like you know like the the only purpose of it is to establish Lonnie as a character in the show and to like get her going for the next few episodes um other than that it really is just whatever it doesn't benefit the show at all i you know what i will say that i do appreciate um alan's dilemma in this episode like i i feel like it, it was a really um Interesting way to show him as a businessman. Like he's the owner. Like he was complaining before about how he hated working for someone else. And now he's working for himself. And he has this actual business, you know, ethical decision that he needs to make about how he wants to run his store and uh, the kind of business that he wants to do. I do love the idea
0: of morality and commerce, especially considering everything we're going through. And the idea of, you know, right now there's a lot of discussion about. People who allow someone to buy up, you know, their entire stock of toilet paper. Sure. You know yeah. what I mean? Or are price gouging or selling people stuff they don't need. I mean, there, as a store owner, you do have some say. Um, and I I do like that Alan at least is being considerate.
1: Totally. Totally. All right. Do you have
0: a, a bra movement?
1: Um, yeah, my bruh moment was uh, when Sean has the fight with Crandall, because I just feel like Turner did jack shit to keep that from escalating. (laughs) That's very true. Like there's a teacher in the room and they're trading threats back and forth. Turner says one time, like, hey guys, I, ha, 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 I'm trying to teach you. <laughs> Before he goes back. But then he continues to allow Crandall to insult Sean's dad while he's in the same room. Bro, do something. Be a teacher, bro. Absolutely. That, that I, I completely agree with that.
0: Uh, for me, my bro moment is honestly just the way they introduced uh, Lonnie. Like, I just think she could have worn jeans. They didn't have to be cut offs and the drips, I just, I'm not in love with it. And I think we can do better. And I expect better from a show that honestly, on most other points are doing really
1: well. Can I ask a question? Was this a Halloween episode? I noticed that there was a lot of, like, little Halloween decorations in the background. Like, Alan's store had Halloween decorations. Feeney had a pumpkin on his desk. Turner's class had Halloween decorations. What a shitty Halloween episode this must have been. I
0: don't know if it was a Halloween episode, but maybe it was just an episode that premiered in October. I noticed a lot of shows do that. Like, it may not actually be the week of
1: Halloween, but it'll be,
0: like... Season. No, like I you know.
1: I think what they did was they is that they don't have a Halloween episode this season that they pussied out, and this is their <laughs> like trying to shove some Halloween shit in an episode that has nothing to do with Halloween. All right, do you have a PD time? Feeney taught me that, yes, um, essential service workers uh, should be respected. In fact, you know what's interesting? Feeney didn't need to teach me that. I kind of knew that anyway, but it's a good lesson to throw out there in the world, considering that some people need to be taught that. I mean, right? Um,
0: For me, my Feeney lesson was actually something Feeney says to Sean, which is, this was never about your father. This was about you. And I think that that is true on so many levels that both, A, your father didn't take this job just to take it. He took it for you. And you never really had a problem with your, sorry, the problem was never really that your father had this job. It was that you had a problem with your father having this job. And I think that that goes so well on a lot of things when people have a problem with someone else you know what i mean it's like it's not really that issue with that other person it's how you are responding to that.
1: so your feeny lesson is you gotta check yourself before you wreck yourself <laughs> i'm here for it what grade do you give this episode i
0: think it's a b episode
1: interesting Ooh. i'm gonna give this episode an a minus okay okay Um, I think they did amazing things with the A storyline. I thought the B storyline is what dragged it down. But because of the complexities that's communicated between Sean's household dynamic, all of that, I just thought that was so well done. I had to give it at least an A.
0: So it's so funny because I think there are plenty of things where you respond so favorably to. You're like, I love this. And I'm like, it's a little hokey for me. I know Boy Meets World could do better comedy.
1: I, you know what? I, that's so funny because I don't. I think that, <laughs> that this is, no, I, I seriously like, Boy Meets World is developing like their own language for humor. And it's so um, apparent in their more silly episodes, like the next one we're going to talk about, singled out, um, that, you know, they have, like a really quirky sense of humor that they don't really know what to do with in a traditional lineup that's where you get like the meta references every now and then and you get Corey suddenly being super neurotic there's just little interesting ways that they communicate humor that I kind of like about the show I I think it's interesting I think it distinguishes it from, from the past. And see I think certain
0: things about it make it feel like you and I used to talk about episodes that were written for the network and episodes that were written Um, with like intent and i think every so often we get an episode like this one where it's like it was written with intent but the comedy is very for kids you know what i mean and i was like there there are ways to make this a little bit more for the
1: age group you're working with it's so interesting that like it's so interesting that boy meets world would uh, try so hard to, um, you know, tackle these really complex ethical issues in their episodes, while while also trying to appeal to the a super low down like. Um, young demographic yeah. like you're, you're talking about like it feels like some other shows that I remember from the 90s like Blossom <laughs> like didn't mind like tackling like some serious shit every now and then and just like leaning into it and it being okay to lean into it whereas to your point this show, they, for whatever reason, feel that they can't all the way dive into that side of, like, the storytelling. Like, they need to keep it light for whatever reason, and it's just interesting. Yeah, they definitely
0: try to straddle the line, and sometimes it's very successful, and sometimes, at least with me, I'm just like, all right, those five minutes were unnecessary.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, homework. Homework. Um, well, for homework... I'm going to let you go first. Okay. Honestly, I have this homework.
0: Uh, I have been drinking to get myself through <laughs> this time. And so I'm actually going to recommend this thing called Screwball Peanut Butter American Whiskey
1: it is (gasps) bro i have peanut butter with tea and it's great i love it exactly and i was like
0: you know we often do shows and stuff and I, i like to mix it up when i can and when i discovered this i was like i totally want to share this with other people and i think other people should get it if they can because it's it's delicious we love it, and I love peanut butter. I love whiskey.
1: It's the greatest thing, bro. That's a great assignment. <laughs> guys. I I know you're only supposed to leave the house for essentials right now, but I'm telling you, add this to the grocery list. You you won't regret Absolutely.
0: it. Absolutely. Oh, and then someone has like this mix thing where it's like you mix it with Fireball as well. So I don't know, like Ooh. I haven't done it yet, but like I imagine that's also like a really interesting flavor. So yeah.
1: Okay, so for my homework, um, speaking of just like, you know, how people are coping with, you know, being in lockdown and whatnot, um, we ordered a thing called Facebook Portal TV. Oh, okay. Um. It is essentially like video conferencing for your television set. So um, through Facebook Messenger, we're able to make phone calls that um, we can video chat from our living room. And what's super interesting about it is that like the camera has like this smart feature to where like it'll zoom in on me. If these am the only person in the room, but if a second person walks in, it'll automatically pan out so that it'll include huh. weird shit like that. Um, but I was able to face, like you know, video chat uh, my family on who's on the East Coast right now, and you know, they got to we got to see each other, and it's just really interesting the ways that we're finding to um, you know have close relationships with people while we're social distancing. And I just thought that this was you know, it might be a little gimmicky outside of the the current circumstances but for right now it's kind of dope to be able to like see my family on the big screen because it really feels like they're there with me in the same room so oh that's great i like i love to hear that yeah so i would just say like yeah check it out oh absolutely all right um so that's pretty much it right that is pretty much it y'all all right, so
0: thank you guys for listening to another episode of Brummeets World. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere that you have your podcast. Leave us a rating. We always appreciate it. Follow us uh, at Brummeets World on the platforms and email
1: us at gmail.com. Uh, tc you can find me on um, instagram at a at dot braver dot me and if you guys have thoughts on janitor dad please feel free to contact us and let us know do you think that you know chet getting this job was good for sean do you think sean was being a little bitch in this episode <laughs> let us know your feelings we we want to interact
0: Yes, at this now more than ever, we have the time. We have the availability. We would love to hear from you guys and reach out. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, remember to dream, try, and do good. Yay. Yeah.
1: Later, bros. Later, bros.